Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. All products and bike companies mentioned in this podcast, even those based on real products and bike companies, pork chop sandwiches, are entirely fictional. Matt, Andrea, and Kenny do not actually work in the bike shops they talk about. They work in cattle waste management on a dairy farm in Ohio. This podcast is not affiliated with any bike shop. It contains coarse language and should not be listened to by anyone. Mmm, body massage. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Just Riding Along in the year 2019 on Mountain Bike Radio. Blog Talk Radio. I thought about that today when I was doing something at the shop that we I don't work I miss that shop. British chick. We had a listener in the shop today. We did. Uh, we have more than one listener in the shop. We had three in in the last two days. Okay. Seems like there's been a lot of them lately. And the one guy from Denver who came down to do Crest Crank was really stoked and dropped off a stack of cash and a gift card that he won to a local restaurant in the, like the post-Crest Crank raffle. So thanks, dude, that I forgot your name because I'm terrible at that. He was a, He said he listened to us when he was a window washer. You're mixing up the two people that were in today. Are you serious? Yes. Shit. I'm really bad at this. There's one guy that was like young shred bro on a transition that was like, dude, me and my homie were like window washers and we listen to you guys all the time. It's sick. And then the other guy was more of like your standard, like not a window washer, middle aged, like mountain bike dad. Yeah. I mean, very nice guy, but like, you know, just the, the, the one guy was like a kid, like my age. And the other guy was more like 40 ish and seemed much more you like might be closer to his age than the other guy's age. <laughs> All right, Karen. So uh, yeah, there you have it. Matt uh, just suddenly remembered that my middle name is Karen. And she's being a fucking cunt. So I'm calling her Karen. <laughs> So to dig right into things, in case you didn't know, is this in the last show? I don't know if it's in the last show. We pretty much complained about the bike industry during most of the last but show. But in the last show, had I been booted? No, you had your appointment the next Monday morning. Or no, did, didn't did we record a day late last So I don't know. I think you mentioned, I think you mentioned, maybe it was off air, but you mentioned that your foot was fucked up, but you can, you can still talk about it. Uh, my foot screwed up. It didn't get any better on its own. I've been booted. There's no real idea of what's wrong with it. Also, really funny thing, a coworker was telling another like customer like something like, yeah, the bike costs this much normally. It was a rental bike. It's discounted down to this much. And I was like on my way out the door on a test ride in my boot. And I really don't like it when like people try to double team a customer. It's not necessary. Unless the customer asks for it, they want to be like DP, then that's their business. But I just stopped. Wouldn't that be T, not P? Moving on. Uh, I just stopped and I was like, $1,000 off in this economy? And then just (laughs) rode out the door on my test ride. (laughs) So, yeah. just Just bike stuff. It's all fictional. Yeah, none of it really happened. We're just liars. We really just scooped up a bunch of cow shit today at a dairy farm. The best part about that is our boss will let us take home as much shit as we please. Yeah, 
sometimes like a free, you know, if like some of it falls in the milk, they'll give us that milk. If you boil it a little bit, it's fine. Yeah, you just strain it and boil it. It's okay. That's so fucking <laughs> gross. <laughs> Jesus, God. Kenny, what have you been up to? You sound, It sounded like something interesting before we started, and we're like, hold on, shut up. Let's start recording first. Hold on. Can I talk about donations really quick? Sure. I just want to get that out of the way. We had the guy in the shop that was not a window washer. Not a window his. washer. Stacked it up. Some cash. And then, holy shit, Dominic from Germany. Thanks to the three of you for hours of fabulous entertainment. Cheers. And he sent over 25 bucks. So, Dominic. What are German dollars made out of? Um, I think they're made out of small pavers from the Autobahn. Okay. Or turbochargers. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking like mustard or bratwurst or something. I really want to know who this is. They have like a phone number on here, but L- <laughs> Lummy Eaterbox <laughs> from Minneapolis, Minnesota says, Kenny, if you could suck drink the bathwater of one celebrity, <laughs> who would you pick? <laughs> P.S. Matt is a douche, but in the good way. So... <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, that's a pretty philosophical question. I think I'm going to think about that one for a minute. And I'm going to get back to it. Very. No, that's a really good question. No, I want I want more questions like that. That's a really good one. I I do. You know, I was just thinking of that earlier that I would really like to get. Not that not that people's technical and bike questions are played out because I feel like we get enough of those that are interesting that you know it it adds interest to the show and we we enjoy your bike and technical questions. But if you just want to ask us deep philosophical questions, like whose bathwater would you drink? Or like who should be nervous if my, if my daughter comes to town, who should I tell my daughter to stay away from Matt or Andrea? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like you guys can ask us those questions too. You know, we may not answer them, but you know, or we might put a lot of thought into them like Kenny is going to do with Mr. Eaterbox's question or Mrs. Eaterbox. Yeah, so whoever you so are. Mr. or Mrs. Eaterbox. Let's just call that, him Lemmy. Is it a celebrity? Is it celebrity bathwater or just like famous person? Well, I think bathwater. What's the deal or anybody's bathwater? I mean, but let's let's face it. I think this is open to interpretation. They just say celebrity. So Richie Rude could be a celebrity in the bike world. Uh, yeah, Brad yeah, Pitt would be a celebrity in the, uh, you know, like actor world. Uh, you know, um, Chewy, that would be a celebrity in the comedian world. Chewy is the very large Hispanic man oh, yeah, that makes yeah, the yeah. funny voices. So I was just trying to make someone <laughs> picture drinking Chewy's bathwater. <laughs> okay. I was thinking like Chewbacca. From from Star Wars. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. in the Wookiee community, I'd say he's the most famous Wookiee. I'd say he's the only famous Wookiee. But anyways, um, so you got an answer yet, Kenny? No, I don't. I'm going to keep thinking about it. It's a pretty big deal. We're going <laughs> to come back to this, and I think we should all answer this as the closing of the show. Okay. So we're going to rally through the other one. So Eater Box, Dominic. Thanks, guys. I don't know if I even said this, but old Lemmy sent us 10. And then Frank from New York. Thanks for the great show. 
sent over $25 of American currency. Thanks, Frank. Now Kenny can launch into talking about riding fast tracks at the bike park like a fucking hellion. Yeah, so today was closing day at Deer Valley, and it was just, yeah, it was a really fun time. We had a big group of people from the shop and just people that we know. Everybody showed up and rode Deer Valley. So Deer Valley is awesome. If anybody hasn't had a chance to come out and check it out, yeah, it's a really good, really good bike park. Um, trying to think of things of note. Uh, tall, jangly bastard Jeff uh, built a new stump jumper. So we got that kind of thrown together the other night and yeah, it's pretty nice build. So all the, all the fanciest shit basically, but yeah, super nice bikes that I know. Yeah. So it it had, did it have axis or XTR 12 speed? Uh, axis and yeah, axis dropper as well. Some Magura, some Magura quad pistone brakes, which were giving us some issues. So we, we can talk about that. That's a, cool cool topic and maybe we can find some resolution to that but uh what else anything else fancy what wheels some fat ass envy wheels uh, i'm so bad with models on shit that i don't own i think 635s so pretty pretty wide internals but the most important part of the entire build fast track <laughs> 2.6 grid casing Fuck brand you. new tire just came out In so all you motherfuckers Fuck Both. you. Oh my God. Both. And they are just, they're grabby as what? shit. They're amazing. Because that one time his face touched the ground wasn't enough. <laughs> no, his face touches the ground a lot, but it's usually not the tire's fault. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, super nice build. Um, yeah. It's got the old, the old dongle shock in the back. It's got, uh, Fox 36. The they're pretty neat. And, Lots of buttons and adjustments, and, and you can just get fucking lost in that bike. It's out of control. Lots of shit to do. Um, lots of pushing on bars and parking lots and stuff. I can't believe you put but fast yeah. tracks on that. <laughs> Dead fucking serious. I'll take some. Oh, we'll get some pictures of it. It looks pretty good. It's a nice bike. So anyway, the uh, we had motivation to get that built because everybody's trying to meet up at Deer Valley. And yeah, it's a really good time. We probably had... 10 or so people that showed up and yeah. And it, good Lord, it was busy. Holy shit. I've never seen lift lines like that. It was crazy, but in the grand scheme of things, not a bad idea. It was still, you know, it was 20 minutes in the lift line, uh, but still got in seven or eight runs or something like that. And yeah, good time. Rode the stumpy. The stumpy is officially super sick. I think I talked about it on the last episode. Poor Di2 XT rear derailleur. That, that fucker is done. Did you try what I was talking there about is, off air? Uh, what was that again? Remind me. File off part of the hanger so you could have more adjustment. Oh, no, I really did consider doing that. And I was actually, I had it off in my hand. I was going to go uh, file off some of the B-knuckle. So I don't really affect the bike, right? But there's no easy way to get the bolt out of the B-knuckle. Otherwise, I would have just done the B-knuckle route. Yeah, but a hanger is like $6. Yeah, I don't have an extra hanger though. The shop does. It probably would have worked. It's a decent idea. But the problem is, it's not the derailleur is just off with tension. So basically there's 15 or 16 micro adjust plus and minus. So a total of 30 something uh, on a DI2 
mountain derailleur. And yeah, so the problem is it's not the, it's not that it's out of trim and it is out of trim. The problem is you can push on the derailleur. Like imagine if you are testing a low limit on a derailleur and you just like push the derailleur by hand and like you try to hyperextend it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. And you do that in this derailleur in any position and it moves an entire cog. Hey, yo. So there is just every, and I had it apart the other night just to see if I could get it a little bit better. And that whole whack ball mechanism in there is just bent and worn out and fucked in every way possible. So anyway, it's dead. So I did make the decision. I pulled the trigger on it. I bought Axis. Damn. Good Lord. It was. Is that derailleur is so yeah. expensive. Jesus Even at Christ. Even employee it's discount, so, it's so expensive. It is so expensive. I mean, so Kenny, holy let shit. me ask you, do you have that on your bike yet? No, it will be here on Tuesday. So I have to play with mine more, and I'll talk about it when it's my turn, but the ergonomics of the shifter are odd. No, I still don't love them. And I, I never liked the ergonomics of my DI2 shifter. I talked about that from day one. I just got used to it. I'm not going to complain about that much because like, I'll just get used to it. I wish they could make it yeah. better. Um, yeah. Or maybe give you some options. That would be really cool, right? Like you give, you got a couple different shifter options or maybe you somehow would be really cool. Um, is I'm almost thinking if you look at the shifter, you can remove a pin and you can take like the paddle off. Why you would want to do that, I have no fucking idea. Maybe in the future there are going to be different like pieces that go on there. But it'd be really cool if they had pieces that have, you know, different extensions on them or they move in a different way or whatever. And you can bolt it on to the shifter, if you will, like the little pod with the has the electronics and the battery and the little button in it. Um, that would be awesome. So anyway, I agree, Andrea. The ergonomics are not awesome, but it's not on my bike just yet. But I did get full blown access. I just—it's uh, time to retire my crank. I bought that <laughs> next SL crank when it first came oh, out in 2013. I, it's didn't still you warranty on my bike. it once? So, yeah, one of them broke in half. But like other than that, it's been pretty good. I thought you had one that—I thought you had one that had like the typical race face, like the insert was trying to come apart from the non-drive side crank arm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It didn't okay. actually snap in half. Like nobody died, but yeah, it was just, it was flopping around. Okay. The pedal was flopping around. So I just decided to get a whole kit. So I got the cassette. I bought the X01 kit and uh, I kind of regret the decision. It's got a burlier crank, which is probably pretty good for the riding that I'm doing, but it's still pretty light. It weighs the same as my first gen next SL. Um, it's a dub. I like the dub bottom bracket system. I think it's really well thought out. Although the English threaded uh, race face one I've had has been fantastic. And in fact, the press fit one, the full press fit 31 was also fantastic. The only one that's terrible on that is that little BB 92 one. That thing's terrible. With that. Um, so I mean, well, really any of the press fit go up. Really? I mean, mine have been great. I've never gone through a set of bearings yeah. on my race face. Maybe. Yeah. I think I just had that reversed in my mind. Oh, well, the Pressfit 92, because they have baby bearings, those are those are bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. The regular Race Face one has a regular old 6806, which is just a BB30 bearing. So anyway, mine's been good, and it still runs super smooth. So I got the whole kit. I got the X01. It's got some, like, silver in it. I, wanted, I really like the Rainbow Cassette, to be honest. I think it's really cool. 
and I got the rainbow chain, but it's like a black and gray cassette, I think, with a rainbow chain, kind of a weird combo. Maybe I'll switch some of that stuff up. I don't know. But either way, I got some fresh shit. Should be cool. I'll let you guys know how everything works as far as setup. I mean, I've set up a ton of them and they're all pretty damn easy to set up. Like once you know how to do it, it's just, it's so good. It's real similar to DI2 as far as limits go, where you basically get the tension set first, then you set your limits and you don't want the limits to really be touching because uh, it'll fight the derailleur. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's real easy. Um, yeah. So I got access on the way. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know if I'm going to do the lockout thing. I've been playing with the idea of doing like a new fork and some like remote lockouts. I don't know. We'll see on that. I'm going to start with the drivetrain. Other than that, Stumpy's going good. I thought you were going to sell that. Weren't you going to sell that bike and get an Yeah, I could. And it's with? probably not a bad idea, but I'm lazy. I mean, my bike's here. It fits. It works. I might go with a size large as well. Just riding some stuff around. I think I, it sucks. I've always been like dead in between a medium and a large. Um, I might try a large next time. I've got a 70 stem on my bike now. Uh, if I went with a large, I'd probably run like a 50 or maybe even like a 40 with some little wider bars. But that's another thing I'm doing. I mean, just the riding I do, I need even wider bars. I've slowly worked my way up. When I first moved here, I was on like the 720s and then I went to 740s. You were on like a 720 and a rigid. Didn't you just start riding a dropper post like when you got that bike? I did, yeah. No, no, you had the Magura Elect that was too long. Yeah, I did. I had the one in the RKT that was a pain in the ass, but that doesn't really count. So pretty much proper dropper starting with the stump jumper. So about a year and a half, not very long. Um, But yeah, back to lift day. It was a good time. Someday, Everybody showed someday up. Someday he'll move away from fast tracks. No, no, they're good for now. Until I can outride fast tracks, I won't do anything else. Um, but yeah, everyone showed up to Deer Valley. It was a good time. Nobody ate shit that I'm aware of. Um, holy shit. There were so many people out of control, but we got a bunch of runs in, had a good time. Um, we did, I did mostly single track stuff, which is fun. So I did all like the, the tight techie kind of black and double black stuff. Um, man, that stuff is so fun. Had such a good time. And then I rode, I did ride NCS for the first time and that trail is that trail's real rowdy. And without a doubt, there were at least three sections that I walked. But at least I know what it's about now. And that's a good goal is to try to clear that trail because it's, the, uh, what it's is no NCS? joke. NCS is an old uh, downhill course. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's a good time. It's a, it's a cool one. And riding it and looking at it, I know everything is so possible for my skill set and my bike, it's doable, but it's just a mental thing. Cause you know, it gets big and it's fucking steep and there's lots of rocks and there's consequences, but totally doable. Nothing is like nothing you look at and you go, no way, no how it was more of a, ah, oh, fuck, you know, you just got to commit to it. Well, yeah, a lot a really of times fun trail. That, that stuff, like you might, if it was like all of those sections, but spread out, with some smooth stuff between where you could get your shit together if you like screw up a little bit. But man, some of that stuff, it's like so steep and sustained that like you mess up one spot and it screws up your whole line and you just eat shit or you stop, you know, with For your sure. on a big rock or something. Yeah. There's sections that are just really, really just straight up steep and it's kind of a shoot. There's not a lot of optional lines and you just have to like keep your shit together on the first part. And then there's going to be like a really tech section after that. So if you fuck up that shoot, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That's the stuff that always gets me. It's like if I, I can look at something and if it's just that one thing, like you can just kind of like, you know, let go of the front brake and drop her post we trust, you know, and just go for it. But then like if it's that with something else after it and then, you know, something you can't see around the corner, like it gets sketchy real quick. Yeah, without a doubt. It was a good time. Uh, so that's, that's uh, about it for me. What's going on over there? Oh, not a lot. Um, I rode, let's see, I, I had a friend in town, um, Sarah Sheets, who, if those of you have been listening for a long time, uh, she and I raced each other and tried to destroy each other at Breck Epic 2015. And we've kind of kept in touch ever since then. Um, just because, you know, we're both, we enjoy some single speeding and then like other, like normal riding and whatnot. And she was in Salida for, she was going to do, there's a race in town called the Banana Belt Race and it's been going on for a long time, but she was going to do that. And then she asked me if I didn't race, what would you want to go out for like a, a big ride somewhere and like show me something I haven't seen? I'm like, yeah, I got a loop. And, uh. It's the Colorado Trail segment 16 to the Tank 7 Trail. And you climb up Marshall Pass and you can take um, any of the drainages down from there. You're like at the Continental Divide and you, you, can, you can ride a trail back down to your car. But um, we were kind of running out of time. She had a friend dog sitting for her and she uh, we had to kind of get back down quick. So we took a Jeep road back down just because it was the most direct route. But yeah, I mean, we did that and it's... Every time I ride that loop, it's really burly to start with, you know, and there's a ton of climbing and 40 miles total, which if you eliminate, like, the, you could eliminate the last 10 miles because it's 10 miles from the top to the bottom. It's in that, like, 30 miles, 30, 31 miles, it's 6,000 feet of climbing. It's pretty nuts. So you climb a bunch. Uh, then you go down this trail. So this... This part of the, so if you ever ride Monarch Crest and this part of the Colorado Trail, uh, it's it's one of the few sections of the Continental Divide and Colorado Trail that is moto legal. That's because it was a moto trail first. And then the Colorado Trail and Continental Divide Trail used the moto trail to, uh, in this one section as their, you know, that's just where they go because it's right on the Continental Divide. So, it's pretty burly in some spots. Uh, the climbing is steep and loose. Uh, you have some kind of muddy moto mire areas. Uh, and then the descending is, it, it looks like what you see on the horses. It's super, super steep. And it's just got these big embedded boulders and it's trenched out. You know, it's probably a wheel deep in most places. It's got little drop-offs, you know, that are only like a foot to a foot and a half tall, but you drop off into just a rock shoot and it's, it's scary as shit, but it's fun. Um, that's the Colorado trail section. And then you got tank seven trail and it's, uh, lots of kind of the same thing, just big embedded rock gardens, but it's a lot flat. It's not flat, but it's a more gradual downhill. So you have to really, really work on keeping your momentum and you have to really kind of pump and lift and, work your bike through some of the rock gardens and it's just a really, really difficult ride. You know, I feel pretty beat up after doing it because it's just a, it's hard. Of course, Sarah is an animal and she rode her RKT 
Uh, she has a Niner RKT and she fucking high posted the whole thing. Like I was waiting for her at the bottom of the uh, the really, really gnarly stuff. And she she came down. She's like, man, I cleared the whole thing. And I'm like, of course you did. Because <laughs> she just does that kind of thing. But yeah, so we did that yesterday. And that was a lot of fun. It kind of killed me because she's real fast and she's a little more fit than I am. I haven't really done anything since the beginning of uh, or like the middle of August. I've just been kind of riding for, you know, a couple, two or three days a week just for the hell of it, not really training or anything. So uh, I'm not in top top form the way that she is right now. So it was a, a little tough in that respect as well. So that was, it was fun. It was a good time. I like riding with her. Uh, other than that, what was, what was it that I was going to tell Kenny about with, um, Oh, yeah, the ergonomics of the axis. So I put... And I have a quote from you today. Okay. Do you want to say that now? No, I'll just interrupt again later. Okay. So I put axis on my vertex. And if for those of you that don't uh, haven't listened to last week or you've forgotten, my Rocky Mountain Vertex Carbon Hardtail is going to be my Salida road bike slash bikepacking bike. I've got Fast Track 2.3s on it by Kenny's recommendation. Uh, rigid fork. I've got the Niner RDO fork. Um, it is the lightest and tallest axle to crown of any of the rigid forks that I've seen. Um, actually, I'd never even looked at the Envy fork, but I didn't really care because it doesn't have bottle mounts on it. So, oh, Matt's saying it's not boost. I don't think it comes in boost. That would be weird if it didn't. But Always. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter we'll, because I, we'll circle back to this. I I knew it didn't have um like a mount for you know bottle or whatever type of holder on the fork stanchion, so I just didn't um I didn't even shop that one. So uh, yeah, so it's really it's nice. It's really light. It's like I just call it. It's between twenty and twenty one pounds. So I'm just going to call it a twenty one pound bike. Um. But I, when I first set it up as GX, now it's got an axis on it because I finally got an axis shifter. And I'm going to have to play around with the position a little bit. And if I could give some feedback to people at SRAM. No. <laughs> my biggest gripe about it is that it's the same gripe that I used to have with Shimano Rode DI2. The click is way too easy. It's way too light action. It's nice when you're just rolling along and like on a smooth road or smooth trail or whatever and you shift it. You're like, oh, that's nice. It's very light action. But when you're on rough surface, rocks, washboard, whatever, and you go to shift and your thumb vibrates and you shift three or four years at a time, that fucking sucks. Like literally you can shift three years at a time just from your thumb vibrating. I don't mean like holding it down because I know that is an adjustable feature on Axis, which is cool. You can say when I hold the button down and don't let go. Yeah, like either you just keep shifting or you only shift so many times for each long button push. Um, I'm aware that that's a feature. I'm talking about your thumb actually pushes and releases, pushes and releases, pushes and releases and shifts two to three times because you're going over washboard when you go to just push the button once. And that, um, I you know, I feel like that's a, not the greatest thing. I feel like that's something that you could adjust. I'd be really happy if they just made the shifter like a regular 
paddle shifter. You know, if it had the same action and feel as just, let's say, an X01 shifter, about that much resistance. Like an X01 shifter, I feel like it's kind of the sweet spot between, say, a GX shifter and a, you know, X01 or XX1. They're very, very similar. I couldn't tell this. I feel like it's the sweet spot. Like Axis is a little too light. And I feel like GX, um, it's not bad, but I like X01 better. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think I'll be able to move the shifter around. I might end up taking it off the matchmaker and just putting it on the clamp uh, separate from the brake. I'm going to move it around and find a more comfortable spot for my thumb to go. And I do like that it has the button on top to shift. That's nice. You know, you can hit it with an index with your index finger or something. That's That's really cool. I like that about it, but I feel like the ergonomics are a little weird and they're going to take a minute to get used to. But the fact that you can be on a very rough trail or road and your thumb will cause it to shift more than once when you don't want it to, uh, I feel like that's that's not a good feature of something that's that expensive. But yeah, it's in general though. You know, I, I like it. It's very smooth. And I'm looking forward to riding it more. The MV fork is not boost. Oh, okay. That's fine. But they make an arrow road stem. <laughs> wow. Is that $300 for a stem? Well, the mountain stem is that much American currency, so I would assume the arrow one's more. Oh, yeah. It's 300 also. It's $300. Well, it's pretty. Kenny, do you want to tell us about what you were saying with the Magura brakes? Yes. Oh my God, so, a couple things. Yep. The Magura rotors. Okay, let me take a step back. Center lock is dumb. Preach. I don't like it. Long live center lock. So, center lock is fucking yeah. trash, and that's a hill that I'll die on. I like center lock. Yep. No, it's fuck you, Karen. It's garbage. It's garbage stacked on garbage with a little lock ring. So. The deal with it is, and it, it's, <laughs> I don't know whose problem it is, if it's an Industry 9 problem, or if it is a Maguro problem, or a combination thereof. So I'm not going to lay any blame just yet. However, bolted on these Maguro rotors, which, by the way, are, I mean, I hate to be a weight weenie, but good God. Well, there's thicker. I think the the front rotor is like 250 grams. How, what That's size? not acceptable. That's not okay. What size? It's a 203. Okay. But it's 203 by 2. And most rotors are 1.8. So 1. It's 1.8. thicker. It's 10% thicker. It's wow. a dummy thick. But it's 10% thicker, but it's like 20% heavier. That's how, that's how it more. works when you it's, get thick. It's not proportional. Yeah. I mean, when you get girth involved, it gets, <laughs> gets crazy. Anyway, this damn rotor... It's thick, it's heavy as shit, but on top of that, bolt this damn thing on the center lock, and it just flops around. So, I got a full-blown, like, over 40 newton meters on this thing, like, blood vessels popping out of your head tight, and it just flops around. Take it off, and it's kind of that problem you see with certain people's cassettes, or someone's got a spacer wrong or something. But basically, the rotor sits in deeper than the flange of the hub. So the lock ring bottoms out on the hub instead of bottoming out on the rotor. Like so it like should. the carrier's not so thick just, enough. It just flops around. You got it. 
So not pumped about that. So I had to throw a different rotor on at the last second. And then the other one is it mysteriously, that rear brake uh, just loses its bleed. We cut the hose. We did lose, admittedly, a drop or two. But again, just like a Shimano brake, you lose a drop or two. Not a big deal. Slam that thing back in there. Feels nice and solid at the lever. Ride it around the neighborhood a shitload. Everything feels great. And do first run on it. Lift service and goes to the bar. Go to a bike shop that's in Park City. Uh, slam a little bit of mineral oil just in the lever itself, just in the hole. And go for a ride, feels fine, and then goes to the bar again. So something's fucky, and I don't know what. We'll figure that out. I think that what's fucky, what's fucky so anyway, is you never bled it after you cut the line. Well, I mean, yeah. Yes and no. No, yes. You usually don't have to. But that's why it feels fucky, because you needed to bleed it, like a real bleed. Nah. Yeah. Nah. I mean, usually you don't have to. I slam my XTRs on. This thing's for fucking mint. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they're great. This is a Magura. And <laughs> I'd say if you put a different rotor on it and you put a thinner rotor on it, then well, you even it, need it, to this like one's actually the, it a little bit. This one's actually the front. So, sorry. The rear is the one with the issue. It's got the full thickness rotor. Okay, the front okay. one was the one that was just unacceptably flopping around. So, we just put a 180 on there. Oh, that's really weird that one rotor would work and one rotor wouldn't. Yeah. Super weird. That's the end of my Magura story. I'll, I'll let everybody know what we find out and it probably just needs a bleed. I'm just kind of bummed that it's like, so acting so weird, typically on like a Shimano or even a SRAM. If you just slam it in there real quick, usually, you know, right off the gate, like, okay, this is not right. We just need to do a bleed on it, but it was acting great. And then it didn't. If, if liquid comes out, then air goes in. Which means you need a bleed, even if, if you don't have okay. the sauce. You got the wind. That's yeah, just if the math. You don't have the sauce. You got the wind. Yep. You need that. You need that blue sauce. Royal blood. You can, you can use the red sauce in there. Oh, does it make purple when you do that? And then it looks like someone bled the brake with uh with silicone dot five. Dot five. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. It probably does. Do we want to answer PS. listener questions? Or Matt, do you want to talk about shit? from your friends in the bike industry. Dot five is not dot five point one. I repeat, this is a reminder for everyone in the bicycle industry. Colloquially, we may say dot five. No one uses dot five in bicycle brakes. All bicycle brakes use dot five point one or a proprietary specified oil. Beep. All right. Uh, yeah, we, we can, can rally some questions. questions if you want to rally some questions. Let's fucking rally it. And by the way, I'm I've got different headphones on today and they're making beepy noises at me. So if I if I go away for a minute, I'm scrambling to plug another set in. All right, cool. Um we're gonna start with this one. Oh, I never said anything about the Wahila. I said I was going to. Just well, really quickly. Um I did get out and ride the Otso Wahila C. Um, while I do have to work on the fit a little bit more before I do a longer ride because the stack height is, I've got some neck stuff. Shall to get low? Yeah, like it's, it, the stack height on the small is pretty low for me. Um, it's not low for a lot of people. I mean, if, if it was, God, I sound like an old person here. If it was 10 years ago, it'd be fine. Yeah, you would be. <laughs> Shut up. 
anyway. <laughs> uh, it's really cool. It does exactly what it should do. It goes places that gravel bikes should go. It's very smooth. It's very stiff and light. Um, I find it to be a very enjoyable gravel bike. So far, so good. Smooth just, and stiff and light. Yeah, I, I borrowed a stem from a friend that's like one of the super rise, like, a, I don't know, 17 degree or 20 degree rise or something. I'm going to slap that on there and um, take it out for a longer ride. But I just have to get the bars up higher before I can ride it for a while. So it has to get, it has to like raise up and be like high and stiff before you can ride it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. And mine, I thought the bike was awesome. But my persistent foot issues have persisted, and I contacted Brandon from Otso. We had a really cool conversation. I talked to him for like over an hour because he's an awesome dude. And I said, hey, man, my foot's all fucky, and I don't want to squander away the rest of the season on this bike. Is there someone you know that wants this that I can mail it to? And he goes, actually, I need that bike next week. And I said, actually, I'll mail it back to you tomorrow. So while I'm very appreciative they sent me a bike, and I did ride it, and I thought it was cool, but my foot's all fucky. So, and nothing to do with the bike. I still think that Axis is the only way to ride that bike. Like, Eagle in the rear, not, you know, one by in the front, of course, but Eagle in the rear so you can have 1050, because I need something on that bike, like, I don't know, 32 or 3410 is fast enough, but then I need, like, 3450 to get up the hill, because... I'm getting fat and slow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have any problems with the gearing when I rode it, but I have a few more watts to spare. I didn't have any problems with the gearing, reported the lady that won Mountain's Revenge this year. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to Dominic's question here. Hi, crew. In the spring, I got a good deal on a Cro-Mag root down frame. It is built up, so it's a hardtail, Fox 34, 150, 34 tooth chain ring. 200 millimeter rotors because you can never have enough brakes and 170 dropper. All my tires are tubeless. I use this bike a lot for trail riding before getting my enduro bike, which is a Scott Ransom. It has DHF 25 wide trail on the front and a high roller 2925 wide trail in the rear. I would like to convert it into something more commute and everyday riding friendly. I would like to get something fast rolling with a bit of traction on gravel and dirt. With these tires, I would do 40% tarmac, 50% gravel, and 10% single track. Oh, I think I know what we're going to say. I have either 29 wheels with a 27 internal or 27.5 wheels with a 30 internal. Ooh. My gearing is 1150NX on the 29 or 1050GX on the 27.5. What wheel set, tires, and tire width can you recommend for this purpose? I was thinking of the Racing Ray or Racing Ralph from Schwalbe, or would something like a Thunderbird be a better option? I know you guys shit on Schwalbe tires, but for me, they're the tires I've had the least problems with in the past. Nevertheless, I'm open-minded about any tire choices and brands you recommend. Thanks for all the offer, or thanks for all the hours of entertainment and wisdom. I've been enjoying it for years, and Matt, I hope your foot gets better soon. Cheers from the Bavarian Alps, Dominic. I, I'm going to let Kenny answer this. Kenny, Kenny. Oh, oh. I think his headphones just shit it out. Okay. Oh, no. This is the perfect time for him to say, run the 29 wheels with a fast track 2.3 in the rear and a fast track 2.6 in the front. Kenny, are you back? I am. Oh, my God. We were just going to tell him what wheels to run, and I just answered it, and I think I know what you were going to say, and I said it. 
Uh, I didn't. I didn't have to say anything. I know you're going to say the right thing. Twenty nine wheels, fast track two three grid in the rear, fast track two six grid in the front. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. I just go straight fast track two point threes control casing because you're not. He's at ten percent single track. So. By the way, I mounted up the two point three fast tracks on those NV thirty five mil internal rims. Yeah. And even though they look funny as far as the rim being like wider than the tire, the profile of it was 100% acceptable. Like it still had a really nice arc to it. It blew my fucking mind. Mine are on 25 internal rims. So yeah, I'm on 25s as well. And they're definitely fine there. But I think those tires, even two threes out on like a 30 mil rim, not really a problem. Well, there you have it, Dominic. Yeah, and, and I have ridden, um, just for Dominic's information, I have ridden Thunderbirds. They do roll pretty fast. I was even riding the really light ones that are like the skinny, really light ones. What were they, 1.9s or something? They were 2.0s, I think. Okay. Yeah, like some pretty skinny, and they were the light skin. They weren't even the, um, whatever their sidewall protection is. They are they were the super weight weenie ones, and those were nice, and they were lighter than these fast tracks. I really like the fast tracks better, though. I did flat a Thunderbird, but I expect that I would flat a fast track in the same situation that I flatted the Thunderbird. Could you say you were thunderstruck? No. <sighs> Thunder. Yeah, I mean, maybe because he's not in America, it's easier to get Schwalbe's. But I'd say if he is going to run a Schwalbe, that would be my choice. Um, I would go for one with a little bit more sidewall protection. And they do some different rubber compounds. If he's commuting, uh, I just go with the harder rubber compound because it's going to last longer. Dude's got eight bikes and ten wheel sets. I don't think he's hurting for cheddar. All right. Uh, next question. Frank Sherman. He needs shock help. Hello, Matt, Andrea, and Kenny. Not sure why I trust the opinion of a couple of miners that have clearly expressed that they do not work in a bike shop about bike suspension, but somehow I do. Help me pick out a new shock for the rear of my 2017 Niner Jet 9 RDO. It currently has its stock Monarch RL Debonair Outback with the stock Pike 130 that I upgraded Debonair Airspring in this past spring. I'm happy with the Pike, but the Monarch has been a constant pain in the ass. It loses pressure, needs constant service, and is back to SRAM twice for warranty damper service. Plus, I don't like that it only has two position switch, wide open or locked. I'm looking at a Fox DPS and DPX2 shocks to replace it. Part of me says just grab the DPS since it's $100 less, and I don't have any massive super demanding downhills in my area in upstate New York, and I'm not sending big jumps. But I've heard so many good things about the DPX2 at this point. Just not sure if it's too much shock for me and my local trails. I'm not a featherweight, about 195 pounds ready to ride. Not sure if that would factor in. A lot of the riding around here can be a huge mix. Rocky, root-filled technical climbs and descents to groomed flow trail. So I want something that will perform with a wide mix of trails and conditions. Thanks for any help, Frank. I always say, if you don't mind the extra weight, and you live somewhere that does have a lot of bumpiness to the trail, um, go with the DPX2. You're a bigger person, too. You're going to heat your shock up. The advantage of that dongle... It's going to perform a lot like, you know, both shocks will perform very similarly to each other under, you know, say like climbing or very short descents. Like I'd say under 
four to five minutes. But once you start getting into more bumps, more weight, more air pressure, sustained action like that, uh, the smaller shock's going to heat up and it will feel more solid as you go and as it heats up. So I think that if you don't mind a little extra weight and a little extra cost, go with that DPX2. So my advice would be, it's going to be different than Andrea's. So I really like the DPX2. It's a really good shock and Andrea is totally right that it is just more capable as far as like a higher heat threshold. It's got more adjustability. It can get you in trouble if you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Um, but it's a good shock. So nothing wrong with it. It is heavier. It is a hundred bucks more. Um, it's available in fewer eye to eye lengths for certain people. Um, but yeah, I think the jet, you'll probably be good. It's, it's the shorter stuff. You just can't get the DPX two in. So the other downside for me on the DPX two is a little bit more stiction. So small bump compliance is not going to be quite as good. And it's a simple factor of, if you ever take one of those apart, it's pretty obvious when you look at it, that damper rod is like twice as big as a DPS. So there's just more seal surface and it drags a tiny bit more. It just is what it is. Um, it's not a, an issue really. And it still is a great shock. Like it's not going to have bad small bump compliance. It's just that if you're doing more cross country stuff, the DPS is better. So it really just comes back to depends on what you're doing. You know, people always ask, what's the best for a shock? Well, what are you doing? Um, it's hard to beat a DPS as just an all rounder, even pushing a DPS past what it's supposed to do. Holy shit. I'll just say that my shock, I don't weigh a lot. I weigh 150 pounds. Um, but I do ride the shit out of my bike. That thing is great. It's unreal. Like it doesn't feel that much different at the bottom of a long descent as it does at the top. Uh, I waited way too long to do my first wiper service, probably 150 hours. I pulled that thing open and it almost looked brand new inside. Um, I never even, I didn't do the damper service because well, the damper works great. So from a reliability standpoint, holy crap, such a good shock. Um, so it just depends on what you want to do. If you're a heavier person, I would definitely lean towards the DPX too, cause you're just going to put more heat into the shock. But if you are a lighter rider, or like you said, you're not doing hard stuff, hard to beat a DPS. Like the DPS is so bulletproof, tried and true, easy to work on. You get a million parts for them. They're just so freaking good. And my recommendation would be actually just get the full factory one. Uh, just skip the performance because it's like a $50 difference between them. And you do get the open mode adjust on the Kashima coat one. Plus it's gold, which is cool. But from a performance standpoint, the only thing you're really getting is the open mode adjust. So you can run open a little bit softer than you can uh, on a, just a regular three position DPS or a performance rather. So anyway, yeah, really good. Really good shocks. If Matt, you, you have a Monarch shock. You could probably buy like something from X Fusion and it would feel better. <laughs> like, I mean, at the end of the day, you're taking off like the garbagest of garbage and putting on like a lot of nice shit. So I can't stop you if you want the dongle. I don't, but I think both are going to make your, and this person's name is Frank. So I'm assuming Dick just fucking blow off. So I don't think it really matters. Yeah, that's the neat part about this. As much as we like to give you differing opinions and all that stuff. The cool part is at the end of the day, I think all of us can agree that whatever you do, your shit is going to be so yeah, much nicer. Definitely. Yeah, it's hard to make your, your your shit ain't getting worse. That's for sure. Yeah. So can we say that Frank is solved? He's just going to buy a Fox Shock and be pumped about it. Oh, yeah. 
All right. Pumped. Get it? Because he's going to air it up. Okay, so Alex has a question. He says, enjoy the podcast. I became a sort supporting member, and since I only listen to JRA, we'll support you fine folks on the reg. I'm riding a 2019 Santa Cruz 5010R build for the Pirates. Arr. I want to upgrade the wheels that are currently OEM and drivetrain currently on NX Eagle and deciding between the following. The We Are One carbon rims with 27 internal with i9-101 hubs, Sapine spokes for $1,000. Spank Uzi hubs, which are 30 internal with i9-101 hubs, and Sapine double-butted spokes are really cheap. Uh, so cheap, I don't think we should say that on air. And same as the above with i 9 hundreds, uh for a little bit more. The other part of this equation is the free hub. I want to go to either GX X01 Mix or the new Shimano XT 12 speed. Generally, you recommend Eagle, but I haven't heard your thoughts on the new 12 speed stuff from Shimano. <laughs> My gut is saying Spank with 101 hubs, GX X01 combo, which will still be a huge upgrade. The curious side of me wants to try Carbon and Shimango. The We Are One lifetime warranty seems unbeatable for the price, and they're made in North America. We can make America greater again by supporting our Canadian brothers and sisters. Uh, I live in Maine. I weigh 170 pounds, so Maine practically fucking Canada. I like to go fast-ish and ride technical single track with small drops and hits and one to two trips to Highland a year, but mostly local trails. Um, So... What Real, is the spank? Is the spank Uzi rim like? Is that? It's alloy. Yeah, yeah. Is it like a kind of heavy? Well, all the, I guess all their stuff's a little bit heavy. Uh, durable is how I think we would phrase okay, it. Okay, sure. I have seen people beat those rims up a lot, so <laughs> just cl- making them clap. Yeah, and they are doing the new Vibracore thing where they put great stuff inside of the rim and then drill the spoke holes back out. Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it might work great. I've never actually ridden the Vibracore thing, so I'm not going to talk shit on it. I'll give you my viewpoint real quick is what he basically already came to the conclusion of is the right answer. So he needs to do spank rims. The we are the people or whatever the fuck he said. I don't know anything about them. They could be amazing. I don't know. I've just never used them. I've seen a decent amount of spank stuff and I've built some spank rims up. And you can just tell when you build them, like the quality of the extrusion and stuff and like how they're welded and all that spank makes nice shit. Like it's good stuff. They're decent rims. So I would lean towards those, uh, the whole spank setup and then do an XD driver, do an X, uh, or sorry, do a GX level cassette. Or if you want to get baller, you can always go XO one or XX one and then do like GX or XO shifty bits and, uh, shifter. And that would be amazing. Like you're never going to be let down by that combo. It's going to be so yeah. good. But Spank makes nice stuff. Is my that's my conclusion. I can't disagree with Kenny at all. Um, yeah. And I'll throw in my two cents here. I haven't heard your thoughts on the new 12 speed stuff from Shimano. We don't like it. I've only touched the first run of Shimano XDR 12 speed. And I'm fairly certain that if I was a sponsored rider and that showed up at my house, I would have bought Eagle and went racing. Um, but I've touched second gen XTR. 
that's not technically a second gen, but is a running change to the only gen. Yay, Shimano. And uh, it feels way different. So I have no fucking clue how XT is going to feel because, one, I don't know what batch you're going to get. And two, I don't know if there's any difference between the batches. And three, who knows yet? So, yeah. Just as much stick as with, people, I mean, the Eagle is just I'm, really good. It's going to be hard for for Shimano to beat Eagle, even if it their is going to be didn't really stop. hard. The only XT stuff that I've like put my hands on, the new new stuff, the what is it, eighty one hundred or something? The brakes are pretty amazing. I know not everybody likes the feel of the brakes, but from a quality standpoint, you get like the sweet ass anodized quad piston brakes. Those things are poor. They're really nice for the money. I do like how Shimano made their lever a little wider. Like it's a little fatter. That feels yeah, yeah. that feels better than the old one. I, I will give them kudos for that. That lever feels good. Girl likes it. Yeah, it's good. But it might be good. I've not ridden the XT stuff, so I'm still unfortunately I got burned a lot like Matt did, where I had to set up a lot of like really, really new new XTR stuff and was so bummed out because it was just terrible. So I don't know if they fixed issues or if we suck or if it just the feel sucks or it's definitely I, I something really we're know. doing that makes the shifter hard to push. So Kenny, I will say that the <laughs> Shimano, the Shimano tech rep uh, came to show us XTR and talk about XT, uh, which he didn't have with him. But while he was in the shop, you know, I shifted the bike that he had with him and then he was talking about maintaining the clutch and servicing the clutch and he took his xtr shifter or xtr derailleur apart and lubed the clutch and it felt better after he did that it felt acceptable like the way that it felt when it first came in i was like yeah this feels like the other xtr felt it feels like shit and then he lubed the clutch and it felt a lot better i don't think i it still i don't think felt as good as eagle but it was not terrible you know, I th- yeah. So the only trick I would tell people, and it, it should be a pretty obvious thing at this point, but you set B tension in a very different way on the new Shimano 12 speed as compared to other stuff. So just make sure you don't fall into that trap because if you set it correctly for everything else under the sun, it's obviously not going to be right on Shimano 12 speed. So just keep that in mind. But even with the B tension set correctly, according to Shimano, I've just not been gaga over that stuff, but I will hold judgment until... I ride like some XT level stuff because maybe it's decent. I don't know. I hope I hope it's decent. I want there to be nice shit out there, but I'm kind of reticent. I'm kind of kind of got burned on that first set of XTR because I was hoping it was going to be just blow my mind amazing, and instead the shifter just got stuck and would just get like stuck between clicks and uh, the cassettes creak. Oh yeah, we did have a yeah, creaky, not stoked on we had it. Had a creaky cassette oh, not too long ago in the shop, but not just creaky as in oh, by the way, sorry, our cassettes are creaky, so we're going to ship you a little clear shim that we want you to put between the cassette and the freeha body. No, no, this is like individual cogs and slash spiders deeper in the cassette creaking, where you just have to get it warranted. Yeah, the one we had through the shop was a guy that was just like in town, I think for. Uh, tourist purposes and I rode the bike around and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is a creaking cassette. I haven't heard one of these yet, but uh, I believe that is what you have. Mm-hmm. Next question. Well, let's knock out two at once. So Tyler says, Hey Matt, I'm looking at buying a Hey Duke. Can you give me a review of your experience with the Duke? What you love, what you don't, etc. 
It looks to be a great versatile hardtail, single speed, local trails, a bike pack, trip or two. Thanks in advance. Tyler. Didn't we do this one last week? We didn't do this one, okay. which is, hey, Matt, enjoy the show and listen to you guys shoot the shit. I'm in North Carolina and a lot ride mostly single track, but make it out to Western North Carolina. My mouth is not working. Make it out to Western North Carolina to ride every month or so in Pisgah and DuPont. I recently built... Is that West Carolina? Western North Carolina? <laughs> West Carolina. Yeah, Northern West, West Carolina? Fuck you West guys. Carolina's <laughs> next to West... West Carolina's next to West Virginia, right? Well, no, yeah. West... West Carolina would be by East Virginia. <laughs> oh, East Virginia. Okay, I got that one wrong. Uh, I recently built By the, the way, hold on, hold on. <laughs> ADD for a second here. I got to interject. I want to go to fucking West Virginia for real. A, because they just got electricity. But number two, uh, what's really cool, they seem like a good group of fucking people. So watching the coverage of all the UCI stuff and – Dude, some of, the, some of the European people were so pumped by the American fans and they were like, I want to move to West Virginia. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. So congratulations, West Virginia, on stoking out everyone and Europe in particular. So go ahead. I recently built up an old Salsa El Mariachi from 2013 with a 100 millimeter fork into a single speed and really enjoy the whole single speed thing. I have a Ripley that I use for group rides or take to the mountains to ride. Question. I'm considering building up another single speed to replace the Elmar in the near future. Because I want something that's a little more fun and a little more updated geometry. Hoping I'm not just thinking that the grass is greener and going to regret getting rid of it. I've listened to you speak about your Hey Duke and I've looked at them online but can't find a ton. I want your opinions on yours and see what your build is. Is it 29 or 27.5 plus? What size tires you've gone with? What travel are you running in the fork? And would this be a fun single speed ride? I've been looking at a Hanzo Steel as an option. Not really any of them... Not really any of either locally that I can demo. So trying to make somewhat of an educated decision. Any other recommendations? Would like to stay with steel over aluminum and prefer the adjustable dropouts. Trying to keep the budget around two grand. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Adam from North Carolina. So what I'll do is say this. I want your opinion on yours and I want to see what your build is. So my bike is built. The way that I last rode it, because remember, I've been injured, but I it is 29 wheels, 134, 125 dropper. So to answer Adam and Tyler's things, my only complaint, which becomes a positive later in the story, it doesn't hold a 150 dropper on an extra large frame for my seat height. It's like five or eight millimeters too tall, but it holds a giant fucking frame bag. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, when we compare a Hey Duke to a Hanzo Steel, Hanzo is like a pound heavier and only holds one bottle inside the front triangle, no bottles outside of the triangle. And the tire clearance is pretty deplorable in the back. And let's face it, it's a Kona. Like, <laughs> I don't have anything positive to say about the brand as a whole because for the most part, let me back up. I have positive things to say if you're looking at a $1,300 hardtail that's made out of aluminum. They make a wonderful $1,300 hardtail. $1,300. Kahuna. It's got air fork, 15 by 100 front, 135 quick release rear. It's got NX11 speed on it. Shimano hydraulic brakes, dropper post routing, uh, 
alloy bar, tubeless wheels, tubeless wheels, non-tubeless tires, but thirteen hundred bucks, lutter buck. That bike rips. Everything else in their lineup could fall off the side of a cliff, and I wouldn't miss it. So, with that said, the Kona, the Hanzo Steel, I feel like that. I don't know why it's so heavy. Like, I haven't figured out what it does other than cost a lot of money and weigh a lot when you get it built. I'm sure it's And slapped. not hold an extra bottle. But when you, yeah, if you're looking for something to go ride, like, you're coming from an Elmar. So, the Kona is the full shred sled, single speed, ah, oh, just, I'm going to huck off a cliff. Uh, like, nah, who cares? Like, I want to hold the sauce on my bike. I got to put the sauce in my wind hole when I'm riding. So, I need two bottles. So, Hey Duke wins. It's lighter. Hey Duke wins. Hey Duke is compatible with both boost and non-boost wheels. Hey Duke wins. Hey Duke is compatible with a bottle under the front triangle. Hey Duke wins. Uh, I don't know. It comes in a cool color. Hey Duke wins. I, I mean, you could look at the spot rocker too, but uh, it sounds like for what you want to do, the Hey Duke might be a better option. But the spot does come in that awesome blue color. But also boost only. So. You could technically buy a Hayduke frame, a fork, and a front wheel and run your Elmar as a Hayduke. Yeah, turn your Elmar into a Hayduke. Yeah. You totally do that. It'd be totally fine. The fit's going to be a little different, probably. Oh, sure. Bar stem, that doesn't count yeah. when you're buying a bike. Um, so then kind of backing up to Tyler's like nitpick stuff. What do you love? What do you don't? So I love the fact that it holds a really big frame bag i don't i mean have my cake and eat it too i wish that magically the top tube was higher when i wanted a frame bag and lower when i wanted a dropper post go fuck myself right like <laughs> i mean uh, it looks to be a great hardtail single speed local trails uh so i don't remember who was asking me who said am i running at single speed i am running at single speed um i've had never had a gear or a derailleur on the bike so i think the bike's really good so I think that that kind of sums that up and uh disclosure Tim sent me the bike I didn't pay for it but I would um you I definitely know. tried to I asked if I could and I didn't have to like I so I I'm not endorsing the product because I've been enticed to like, I wanted to trade American currency for goods and services and I just got the goods. So I'm really stoked. It's like the best of both worlds. I got a really cool bike and I not bragging. I'm just saying like, I'm trying to be transparent here. Like it's a really cool bike. It's, it's really fun. I really like the way that it rides and I miss riding it. So to add to, I said the last way that I rode it, what I've changed since I've been injured is I put carbon wheels on that bike because Andrea had some carbon wheels she wanted to sell. So I just like slid old girl some cash money and like went on with it. So it now has, uh, I actually sold my I-9 aluminum wheels that were non-boost off the bike and put boosted I-9 non-hydra wheels on the bike because I had non-hydra already. So it was pretty good. Um, so then we have some questions about bearings. You want to hear those, Kenny? Is this the last one? I'm Th getting tired. This can be it. So I'm fucking, I'm fucking really excited to talk about bearings. Uh, so Shane says, hi guys, I'm a mountain bike tech in Melbourne, Australia. And I love listening to you guys after hearing you speak about the lower link bearings exploding. When you look at the funny in Santa Cruz, I thought I'd share my custom outer race, get her outer. 
No shit. It's yeah. a five millimeter hex key that I ground down to get behind the back of the race so I can wail on it with a hammer like a punch from the other side. It works really well and is usually quicker than a Trimble. You just have to move it to opposite sides and work it out. And what he means is move it from like 12 to 3 to 6 to 9. Like move it around. Uh, you need you just need to secure the link in a vise with a solid enough soft jaw so you don't scuff up the link. Keep up the awesome work. There are plenty of kangaroo and wombat roadkill in my commute. I'll send you some fur next time I see one. Some jump meat? I don't want the fur. I want some meat. <laughs> uh, Not roadkill meat. Oh, wow. That guy made like a shank. Yeah, so it's like wow. an outer race bearing shank. Um, That's cool. So I'll send Kenny the hell yeah. Email. Well, let's let's post that picture up on the on the little page. We'll try. You could to. stab a kangaroo with that. Yeah, and it would probably just punch your fucking lights out. Um, <laughs> Australian kangaroo shiv. That's what it looks like. It looks like it's made for stabbing a kangaroo in the eye. It looks like a. It actually looks like something you would slide a baby kangaroo, and it would take back into the, like the little marsupial pouch as contraband, so it could shank its brother and get its inheritance. So, like, what I imagine is in Australia in that shop. Occasionally, kangaroos just break in the back door and just steal everyone's money and beat them up. I think they would raid the fr- like the beer fridge and the honey stinger waffles. And when you pull that out, the kangaroo can speak, and he's like, "That's not a knife." <laughs> Jesus, God, woman. <laughs> um. So everyone in Australia hates me. Oh, <laughs> uh, so here's Tom's take. Tom's from America. I just listened to episode 22 and the last question on frame bearings piqued my interest. Sorry, I'm going to be that guy that butts in with more info trying to be overly helpful. I'm not questioning anyone's mechanical skills. Personally, the reason I listen is that I respect all three of your mechanical skills and knowledge. Listening to Kenny's issues with removing angular contact bearings was very justified. I discovered a trick that you may or may not know. It works every time as long as the inner and outer race are still intact. Once the bearing has shit itself from normal methods, he said shat, shat itself from normal methods to try and remove it, <laughs> pick up the inner brace and all the bearings or get some fresh out of a pot. If one is fitted, remove the bearing shield that sits behind the bearing with a pick, clean up the inner and outer race, apply grease to the bearing, fill the outer race back up with the bearings. Put the inner race on whatever drift removal tool you are using. Insert the inner race. With the tool from behind, uh, remove the bearing as normal. What the fuck? No. It is only the inner race that is different on an angular contact bearing. So this trick is just rebuilding the bearing in the opposite direction so that you can apply load to remove it. It can be fiddly, but it's quicker than other methods. Not other methods that don't include angular contact bearings. Uh, <laughs> if it is the right shit show, you can grind down a star nut to fit and hit it from the open face to remove the outer race. There's always that one job where the Dremel has to come out. It is also worth noting Santa Cruz has moved away from angular contact bearings in the last year and are now fitting single row deep groove bearings with a center tube. I think that is improvement for generally working on them and setting them up. I've never heard that Santa Cruz would have advised not to remove the bearings in the past. Could you perhaps be thinking of Ibis? As I know, at one time, they would only sell complete links and not bearing kits. Oh, by the way, I geek out on all the letters and numbers on bearings. There's some interesting stuff out there. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Tom. Um, I can butt in and say Ibis definitely told me that I shouldn't, that I should buy a link because I'll probably break the link if I try to replace the bearings. And I said, 
what bearing number goes in the link. And then I put bearings in the link because stuff. It's not that hard. You're the so only person is, that's ever had that problem. This guy's name's Tom. Is that right? Tom. Tom. So yeah, no, that's good advice, Tom. Uh, I mean, it's still a pain in the dick to have to <laughs> disassemble a bearing and flip it around. But no, I mean, that's really smart. It's that would make it super strong in that other direction. You could probably uh, pop it out. Would be really neat if there was just like a little springy, sprongy tool or something like that that would do it. So Sprong. I guess we could use the Australian uh, kangaroo shiv. That's one method. It's pretty interesting that we got multiple methods on that one question. But uh, anyway, yeah, they can be a pain in the ass. So if anyone else has any cool angular contact bearing tips and tricks, send them out. Those are those are both good. I appreciate it. So. Yeah, I'm tired. All right, we have one more question we haven't answered yet. The bathwater question? Yeah. Oh, shit. I've been so busy with the show, I haven't been thinking about that. This is going to be like ordering at a restaurant. You guys are going to have to go. I'm going to, fig- I'm going to figure it out. All right. I had my answer immediately, so I'll go first. Let me guess. Ellen Noble. Damn. Whoa. That's wildly inappropriate. So? It's Cause, you. Because <laughs> that is like actually creepy because Ellen Noble is a girl you have a crush on she is very attractive and she is very i mean she's very attractive but that's not something i think that i would say because i don't know her okay i'd be more likely to say that about my coworker nikki because <laughs> i know her so it would be funny she but she would also roundhouse kick you in the head too that'd be all right with me too <laughs> what up girl throw that leg up high let me see that like, see, I know her. I can say that because I know that she would laugh at it. I don't know if Ellen Noble would laugh at that, so I'm not really comfortable saying that. I actually had a deep philosophical answer where I can technically give two answers. Oh, God. Mine's so shallow that this it's just like I shouldn't even talk. Do you want to go before me then? No, you go. Okay, so I am picking Brad Pitt <laughs> slash Edward Norton. Because it would be them from Fight Club. And Edward Norton had an alternate personality that had all the charisma of Brad Pitt. And those motherfuckers were making soap. So I'm sure that if I was going to drink some of Edward Norton slash Brad Pitt's, bad, Brad Pitt's bath water. That's a mouthful. hey I would. Not only are they going to be clean before they get in the bath water because they can make good soap. But I know that they would whip up a tasty bath bomb to add with themselves. So it would be amazing to sip some Edward Pitt, we'll call it that, bathwater. I was just going to say Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that's it. There's probably a lot of dudes who would drink I, Ryan Reynolds bathwater, that, too. It. That's just my answer. Kenny? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be – this is actually a similar vein. So I'm kind of bummed because this is semi-shallow, but it also has meaning. Uh I'm just going to go with Jennifer Aniston because there's also the Brad Pitt thing going so there, you right? you get a little bit of Brad Pitt um, with the bathwater. You could, you could, yeah. <laughs> in on the bath. Mixed in there a little bit. But I just assume that Jennifer Aniston like still, you know, stays pretty clean and stuff because she's still single. She hasn't just like let herself go. Um, plus it's Jennifer Aniston. Like every, every dude my age wants to get with Jennifer Aniston. Alrighty. There you have it. So there you go. Anything else? Anyone? No, let's get back to the cows. 
All right, well, we're going to go shovel shit because we work at a manure processing plant. No, we shovel shit at a dairy farm. Same difference. Cattle waste management. Yeah, there we go. Cattle waste management. Um, Last one is Shane with the bearing information says, you can check out my work at Summit Cycles Fitzroy on Instagram. All right. So he there just wants you... us to plug his Instagram. Hell yeah, dude. Let's get him going. I'm going to follow him on Instagram right now. And I'm, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to follow him and then I'm going to just start commenting goofy stuff on everything. So, all right. That's it. That's the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We're going to bed. Bye.